Church podcast. Fifty years ago, the Rolling Stones released their first number one hit in the United States. Listed by Rolling Stone magazine as the second best rock song of all time, it's likely already playing in your head. Full of what Mick Jagger called his frustration with everything, its central theme is one that resonates with us all. As much as we try, we can't get no satisfaction. Lead teacher Randy Pope kicks off IF, the investigative forum, with this message entitled Finding Life Satisfaction, which covers Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Thank you for joining us today. So my uncle invited me to IF, and uh, he said this is a a place to um, come and and hear out uh, what Christianity is all about. And so I said, that's great, let's let's go. I'm really close with my uncle, so I, I trust him. When uh, I first came in there on the first one, Randy Pope introduced himself and started talking, and one of the first things he talked about in If was his own sin. And uh, at least that's one of the first things I remember. I thought pastors either didn't sin or just didn't talk about it. And so that was one of the first things that, that hit me there was, okay, so other people sin too, that's good to know, um, even pastors. And then he just talked about Jesus is the way that your sins can be forgiven. You can confess them and have a savior that uh, has paid for them. That was totally new to me um, because I knew the depths of my sin and I wasn't proud of it and was very ashamed of a number of things that happened in my life to this point. And so after going to the first one, I told my uncle, yes, let's, let's keep going back. Um, there, I, I enjoy this. So I went to, to all four sessions of IF and all of them were good. Randy, I remember him saying that, you know, I might not have a a great answer for you. I might be able to say, I don't know. Um, And that was very reassuring, too, knowing that, okay, he's also saying that I don't have all the answers, but let's work through this together. Uh, So about three or four months passed by, and um, then life just got really bad, had a just rock-bottom moment, and really started looking to see, okay, this life really isn't offering me what I want out of it. Um, I had money at the time, friends, partying, which thought was great, but it just, it wasn't, it was empty. So I remember calling my uncle up and saying, hey, can I come back to Perimeter uh, with you? And he said, absolutely. So I started attending Perimeter, um, and then a few months later, my uncle decided to go through the life issues books with me, asked me about them, I said, yeah, let's do it. and. Uh, after going through those, just gave my life over to Christ. And it's been just an amazing journey ever since. And um, I'm just so thankful for that. Just looking back and now leading a discipleship group, having led mission trips, married to a, a wonderful woman, I'm coming up on four years now. And I don't think that if my uncle said, hey, just come to church with me, that I would have come. Um, I've done church before. I'm just so thankful that my uncle took the chance um, to invite me to if. Great story, huh? Jonathan's story can be told over and over. People that have come to this thing called Investigative Forum. And this is what uh, we're doing today is introducing the forum that uh, I guess in some respects starts next week. I uh, want to give you a little bit of the detail about it. I know we just gave you the details in the, in the video. But uh, I found it very interesting last week, the number of people that I talked to, and they asked me about the details of it. And I said, were you at church Sunday? 
And uh, they said, oh, yeah, I was. I said, were you there during the announcements? Yes, I was. Were you there when I spoke and told it again? So I'm going to say it one more time, all right? Let's just make sure we all get this, all right? Here's how this is going to work. Next weekend and the following three after that, so for four weeks, we're going to have a series that goes on in our regular worship times, and it's going to be led by David McNeely on our teaching team. It'll be an outstanding series entitled Life. It'll be an excellent series coming up. What I'm going to be doing is going into the Hangar Auditorium. For you that are new with us, the Hangar Auditorium is in a place called The Bricks. If you've come down the old Alabama side of our facilities, you may have seen The Bricks on the side of the building there. It's in that facility. You come in, and there's an auditorium to be easy to find called The Hangar. It'll be smaller than this, a lot better venue probably for what we're going to be doing since there's going to be Q&A and so forth. But that'll go on for four weeks. I'll explain the content of that a little bit later. But we're not going to have our 1045 service that's in the hangar. We won't have it in the hangar. We'll be in there. So the hangar service, if any of you typically come to it, you know, if you're usually here at the 1045 hour, know that's going to be in the gymnasium all right so those are some of the details just to understand how this thing works now one of the things that uh that i love about investigative forum is i'm convinced that people are looking for a non-threatening enjoyable and particularly a brief opportunity to investigate the claims of jesus i'm going to be explaining that in just a few minutes This is what investigative forum is. There's a time given in that time that we ask questions from the floor. People can ask them audibly if they want. If they don't feel comfortable speaking in front of a group, uh, they can text or they can email at that moment. Any question that they have, the questions are thrown up on a screen where I'll take those questions and we'll try to deal with the questions that you're asking. I remember it wasn't too many years ago that a man stood up during the Q&A time. I'd say a man at that time in his 50s, and he stood up and he said, let me get this straight. Are you telling me that my father, who in my opinion is the finest man I've ever known, now my father would say, were he here? He would say that he was not a Christian as you define Christianity. My father has just recently died. So you're telling me that he, assuming he's not a Christian, that he's separated from God for all eternity and some rapist, serial murderer who actually does become a real Christian, as you call Christian, in the last week of his life. Now he's going to be in heaven with God and my father won't be. Is that what you're saying? That's those kind of questions that get to the heart and the real issue of the faith of Christianity. By the way, we'll be addressing questions like that in the forum. They always happen. But you know this man? He started coming to Perimeter Church. Became a follower of Christ and follows to this day. It's a great place to investigate the claims of faith what it means to be a Christian. I hope you're going to be a part of it. If you can, we'd love to have you. Let me explain who it's for. 
It's really for three groups of people. And the first of the three groups are our primary audience who I'm most interested in. Those would be people who would say, I'm a bit skeptical about the things of Christianity. I, I don't understand the faith of Christianity. I don't understand why people would be Christians. I don't, under, I don't get it. I don't know. I just don't understand. But those people, our primary guest. I think you're going to find it, if that's your station of life, I think you're going to find it extremely interesting. But number two, there'll be a group of people that would say, you know, I think I hold the beliefs of the Christian faith. But if I'm honest, I probably would say I hold it because I was born and raised in a community where Christianity seemed to be everyone's religion. And I have embraced the beliefs, but I can't say that it is a conviction that I live day to day. For you, you'll find it to be an, an outstanding opportunity to get some substance behind the issues of, of what takes someone from a place of belief to conviction where they live it out. I think you'll find it to be a very helpful time. Number three, third group of people would be people who would say, you know what, I live with conviction of the Christian faith. I know I'm a Christian and I'm thankful for my faith. However, I have to say I would be probably a bit insecure if somebody asked me to give the reasons for the faith. If they were to ask me questions about the origins of Scripture and why we would think they're really accurate and, and how come, like the question I just raised a moment ago, how these, how, how these people end up in heaven, these don't, and I don't get all that. And, uh, some of us would say, I just don't feel adequately prepared. Investigative form, a wonderful opportunity for you as well. All I'm going to do is ask, if you're a part of Perimeter Church as a Christian, don't substitute investigative form for your worship. Worship is the highest of our priorities. And so do both. And you can do both. We're starting the Saturday night service this coming week. Wonderful opportunity. We have Sunday night in the chapel. And then we, have, of course, have the, this hour, 945. So a lot of opportunity for a lot of folks during an investigative forum. And I think you'll find it worth your time to invite others. I'm going to let you be the judge after today because what I'm going to do with the rest of my time is I'm going to introduce to you what I think are the reasons why someone does want to investigate the faith of Christianity. I'm going to do it by addressing two things. First, I want, to, I want to address the question, how does a person find life satisfaction? I personally believe, out of meeting with hundreds and hundreds of people over the years, I'm convinced it is the leading, most important, significant question that everyone's asking. They're saying, I want to find life satisfaction. In fact, I don't think people are as concerned now as in years past with where I go when I die. Obviously, the suicide rate is going so high, people aren't so concerned about dying. They're trying to figure out, how do I live life right now? Something's missing. The second thing I'm going to do to close out the time, I'm going to show a little diagram. It's a diagram I created years ago. I've used it countless hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Who knows how many times? And over and over again, I find particularly the men that I'm meeting with, being a man, I meet more with men than women, but women as well, who say, this helps me understand why I guess I really do want to investigate the claims of Christianity. All right? So let's jump into that first question. I think it's the big question of all, and that's the idea of, well, how does a person find life satisfaction? Over the years, as I've met with these hundreds and hundreds of folks on a one-on-one -on -one basis... I find out that everybody is kind of looking for the same thing. 
we can call it life satisfaction or whatever. Everybody seems to be, to be in this search for something significant in their life. And I feel like it's as if they're in a race to put some kind of a puzzle together and they're seeing a lot of the pieces, but it's just not quite coming together. Almost as if there's a, a major piece of the puzzle that's missing. Now, Carol, my wife, loves puzzles. She grew up in a family that when they went on vacation, they bought a, a puzzle with thousand, how many thousand, I don't know, pieces of puzzle, which I think is ridiculous. But they have all these puzzles, <laughs> pieces, and they, and they all just walk up and they work for 10 minutes or 30 minutes and everybody contributes and they add to it and they look at it. And I've just kind of, I've said, that's crazy. You waste your time looking for a little piece of puzzle. You stick it in there. You know, you already got a picture of what it is to begin with. And like, it's... <laughs> Is it, is it really a fun thing to do? I don't think so. And so, so Carol, we're together, just the two of us, uh, you know, on our vacation. And so she pulls out this puzzle and, and she puts it out on the table and she's got everything ready and now to put together. And she starts working on the puzzle and she works the corners and gets this and that and going. And she gets the thing pretty far along and there are not that many pieces left. And, and uh, she says, you know, I cannot find this piece that goes right here. And she says, I've looked and looked. I just can't seem to find it. And I look over there. I said, well, it's certain color. and not that many in that color. It can't be that hard. She says, I just can't find it. And so she leaves. She says, I'm there by myself. I don't want her to know it. But I start going over the puzzle. And I, <laughs> I'm looking around. And I started working on that thing forever and ever, trying to find that one piece. I got so frustrated. If you think I didn't like puzzles before then, I got where I said, this is the dumbest thing I've ever. Well, of course, the piece of the puzzle had fallen out of the box. It was under the chair or something and we find it later and ah there it is and then there seems to be this sense of satisfaction oh it's finished I got it together well I don't understand the real puzzle something that you actually put together like that but I'm beginning to understand the puzzle of life because it's like everyone is in search for a puzzle with a missing piece and it's frustrating because we can't quite get it to work and I'm amazed to watch how many people when they get that final missing piece and it connects to see the type of happiness the fulfillment the satisfaction I've heard untold numbers say most important thing that ever happened in my life I found that missing piece maybe one way I can help describe that missing piece is through the story of a lady I'll call Judy. I was in my office. Judy came by and spoke to my assistant and said, I need to, to meet with the pastor here. She didn't come to church here. I had other things scheduled. I didn't have actually the time to be meeting at that moment. But uh, my assistant said, I think this is urgent because I really believe it's legitimate. I think she's about to take her life. So I meet with her. And I sit down with Judy and I said, well, Judy, explain your story. And she said, I, I have no reason to live. I'm absolutely at the end of everything. I said, well, what's, what's your problem? She said, well, I guess that's the, kind of the problem. I don't have a problem. I'm happily married. I've got two wonderful children, adult children. I got plenty of money. I've got a good job. There's not one thing wrong except I'm so empty, I don't want to live another day. Dude, I can't explain it. And she said, there's something missing 
I said, why did you come talk to me? How did you find my name? Whatever. She said, well, my son and my daughter-in-law have started coming to Perimeter Church. And I've watched something change in their life of recent. They've become different people. And I figure if there's an answer, maybe it can be found here. I'm going to talk to you. If there's a good answer, I'll look and see. If not, and she went on to explain the detail of how she planned to end her life. She said, no one will know, and I'm asking you to please keep it confidential. Because when I die, I want it to appear as an accident. I don't want anybody to know I took my life. But I'm planning to do it this week. Do you have anything to give me reason to live? Let me tell you, when I heard that story, I, I obviously was saddened to hear her brokenness and her emptiness but there was a delight within me because I knew she's going to see this piece of puzzle and she's going to say, oh, I didn't realize that piece existed. So I introduced her to a thing called glory. It's a word in the Bible. It's used countless numbers of times. If you're here kind of investigating Christianity, you may have read the Bible some. I'll tell you this, if you ever start reading the Bible, you're going to see this word glory over and over and over and over again. But it's used in different ways. It's used to talk about the glory of God. He is a glorious God, whatever that means, huh? But then there's the use of the glory to God, and we see that in the Bible. You even hear the song at Christmas, and glory to God in the highest, and so forth. So there's glory that we give to God. But there is a type of glory found in Scripture used multiple times, and it's glory that comes from God. That's the missing piece that people don't understand. They don't get the idea of glory. Now, the word glory means splendor, majesty, renown. I think it can be well defined by the word satisfaction. It's a satisfaction that comes in the renown, the splendor, what God gives us. It's something he does for us and to us that changes us entirely. It's when we find this thing called glory. Best way I can maybe describe it is give you what I call the story of glory. It has four simple chapter titles and the titles tell the story. I don't have to say much about it, just give you the titles. They're in your bulletin if you want to kind of follow them. We'll put them on the screen, but they're very simple and they're worth being remembered because the story of life goes like this. It's the story of glory. It's number one, chapter one, designed with glory. Now, the Bible teaches us, right or wrong, that's something that has to be explored and evaluated, but the Bible teaches that man was brought into this world with this thing called glory, a part of life. So designed with glory. However, we come to chapter 2 of the story of glory, and it's called fall from glory. Now again, many of you, I know those that are part of the church are familiar with this verse in Romans 3, but some of you even that don't read the Bible and new to church and so forth, you've probably heard it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It literally is saying that once mankind is in sin, that that glory has been stripped from him, from her. And therefore, we come into this world without glory. We don't have the renown. We don't have the splendor. We don't have the satisfaction. And so it leads us to chapter 3, and chapter 3 is search for glory. 
So what happens is we all come into this world in a search for something to satisfy. We don't know what it is. We just have to look and see and what looks appealing and what looks like it would satisfy. And there we go from from little infancy all the way up. We're looking for something. As I often say, we go from toy to toy. We go relationship to relationship. We go fix to fix. It's as if we're going from garbage heap to garbage heap, looking for something, saying, what is it? And what's so confusing to us is we see that, whether it be a relationship, a toy, a fix, whatever it is, we see it and we go, wow, that looks good. I I want that. And, And some of us might be able to get some of those things. And we do feel a satisfaction when we get it. But it's very, very short-lived, and something happens to the degree we're able to get more and more of the toys, fixes, and relationships. We get into a deeper and deeper addiction for more and more and more. And it leaves us in a place that's, that's confusing. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 16:4 says, those who seek after, and what I call counterfeit glories, it says, idols. It says, their sorrows shall be multiplied. And then I look at the the most famous, the most wealthy, and I look, why is it that most of them are going through multiple, multiple, multiple relationships and can't hold to a a good relationship? How how come it is that, that they're having to get bigger and bigger and more and more expensive toys? And why is it that so many of them that seem to have everything they need are in addictions of drugs and so forth? Why would it be? I think it's explained. Because what we're seeing are counterfeit glories. They were never designed. Nothing wrong with things and nothing wrong with people, but they weren't designed to satisfy us, but we think they must be. And so we give a lifetime of just accumulating more and more and more and more. And some of us can't accumulate as much as we would like. And we assume if I could, that would make me happy maybe one day. But the people who can accumulate all they want and still find no happiness, that was the story of Judy. She said, I've really got everything I I think I want in life, but nothing satisfies. Why not? It's a search for glory. There's a man that called me. He said, I'm a friend of so-and-so. It was a man that I had just led into a relationship with Christ. And he said, I got to talk with you. Can we get together? So we got together and as we're meeting, he said, uh, look, I, I got a problem. He said, I got all the money in the world. I'm a multimillionaire. I've got an incredible business. I got a beautiful wife and wonderful children. I got everything a person could humanly want. But there is something missing in me, and I don't know what it is, but I'm talking to my friend, our mutual friend, and he said, we were out just standing outside a, on a porch looking at the mountain range and, and said, uh, I asked him, I said, are you satisfied with life? And my friend said, I am now. And he said, what do you mean now? And he said, well, I haven't been, but I've been meeting with this guy. I met over a period of four weeks, and we investigated some important truths that I think have have been very life-changing to me, and I found a satisfaction I've never had before. He said, explain it to me. He said, well, it's new to me. I can't, but I'll give you the guy's phone number, and he called me. Well, we sat over breakfast, and we're, we're talking there together. And I gave him the story of glory. And when I said, search for glory and explained it, he took his hand and he slapped it on the table. He said, that's me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't know. I've got this thing for high-end clothing. 
I go down to Buckhead, my favorite store. I buy thousands of dollars of clothing. I put it in the trunk. I slam the trunk. I've got a high that I can't explain. It just, I don't know why clothing does to me. I'm so excited about this new clothes. Before I get home, can open the trunk. It's like it's gone. What's wrong with me? I said, well, you're in a search for glory. We're all in a search for glory. That leads to the fourth and final chapter. And the final chapter is this. It's discovery of glory. Now, there's a great verse in the Bible. It's in the back of your outline if you want it just to, to, to be written out for you. The very ending of Colossians 1.27 kind of explains the whole thing because it says this. It says, and Jesus is the hope of glory. You see, he came along to say, look, I am the one who satisfies. I am the hope of glory. I journaled these words, just my thoughts as I had been thinking about this very subject matter. I said, if Christ is the hope of glory, the pursuit of satisfaction from mere career success or marital happiness, sexual pleasure, or even religious endeavors is all in vain. And I'm convinced that it is. It's in vain. Let me end the time now by simply showing you a, uh, a very brief diagram. This diagram, I think, kind of explains why I'm so convinced that people are really wanting to investigate. As they think through it, I'm finding, uh, I, if I've met with, I don't know how many folks in the last year, dozens and dozens of folks, the people that I've met with, I think every single one, in fact, I think I, I can, I can say with confidence, every single one says, I want to meet with you and investigate. There could be one exception. I don't remember. And the reason is because of what this diagram, I think, explains and help us to see. I'm going to use a, I'm going to put this little box here and let this box represent mankind. And, uh, and what I'm going to say from here comes from the Bible, what I say in this box. It comes from the Bible, and that's going to be a huge question of importance. It's why next week it'll be the first question we look at. How can Christians believe the Bible is God's word? And without error, come on. But you're going to have to decide what you think about the Bible. Many of us here, certainly, that are part of Perimeter do believe it. And this is what it says. Right or wrong, you'll have to decide. But it says we have been designed with different drives in our being. We have a spiritual drive. And the spiritual drive is a quest to find out, is there a God? What's that God like? I will say this, it is interesting, there has yet to be a culture discovered that did not have religion. Isn't that something? Something innately within us says, there's something beyond me and I need to figure it out. I need something to worship. I need something to, there's just a reason. That's because of a drive that's in us, a spiritual drive. The next word, intellectual, we have an intellectual drive, or quest to find out what's true and false. We have also physical drives and physical drives are very normal and natural for food, drink, sex, normal things, just drives physically within us. Now, I've put them in an order in which the spiritual is the strongest of the three because, again, according to the Bible, right or wrong, according to the Bible, it would tell us that when the spiritual is the dominant drive, then we have the three great commodities of life. These three commodities we all are searching for. I'll put a P, which stands for the word purpose. We all want to wake up in the morning saying, I've got a reason for living. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. We want that. Number two, I'll put F for freedom. Freedom is not the, the license to do anything I want to do. Freedom is the ability to do what I know I should do. And that's what people really want in life. 
They want to overcome addiction. Oh, I know I shouldn't be hateful. Oh, I know I shouldn't. I, I can't be. I know I should love, but I can't love. They want the power to do that. And then the last, I'll put the, uh, the letter A for assurance. We would like to know that if there is something after the grave, that we're okay. When we die, that we're going to be okay. And when people have those three, they have an abundance of satisfaction. There's something about those things. Now, again, according to the Bible, it says that everybody has gone their own way. And we have. We've all gone against God to some degree. I've yet to met one, one person who ever said, I think I am perfect. I don't care what their standard of measurement is, their religion or lack of religion. No one has ever said they're perfect. They say, I have faults. Well, as a result of that, something changes. And so now this box looks a little different. It's actually a reverse of those drives. And the spiritual now less than the other drives and we know something's missing we don't have the purpose freedom and assurance and so what do we do this is what I did this is what most people end up doing I'll put a little tag onto this first one and we create a pseudo spirituality now we try church or morality religion we try something we think I got to be better because I know something's missing now unless something turns this process around it goes into decline. I'll just do one more box. It could be a hundred boxes here. But if something is not there to turn it around, I'm going to put just a little dotted line there. And then I'm going to put a real big arrow here. This is the spiritual. It begins to decline where people began to question maybe not the existence of God, but at least the knowability of God. And they kind of put God out further and further in their daily life. As a result, what happens is that physical drive becomes sensual and all of a sudden now the very things that that we used to control begin to control us whether it be food or drink or sex and and we get out of control now imagine that a person finds themselves even in an extreme so I'll put someone maybe much further than most of us would identify but let's say that they're way down here what happens I've noticed is that this person tends to meet somebody who says, I used to be somewhere down in here like you, but now there's something that's happened to me. And I don't know, I can't fully explain it, I can partially, but I know this, my spiritual drive is the stronger now of my drives. And as a result of that, I found new purpose, freedom, and assurance. Not perfect, but certainly a growing and better purpose, freedom, and assurance. I'm telling you, that's my story. And, and how do you know whether I'm being integrous or not? But I can tell you, personally, with integrity, that has really happened to me. Something's happened. I'm far from where I want to be. I got plenty of struggles and faults. But I'm, I've been experiencing a growing purpose, freedom, and assurance. And, and the, that story can be told incredible numbers of times over with the people just sitting right here. Well, this person might meet this person. Maybe in the office. Maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a relative or something. And they began to ask the question, how does a person get from here up to here? How does that happen? That's the big question. Maybe they look at this person at first and say, I don't buy. I, I just don't believe. I think it's some, some religious, it's mental, it's something they're going through, who knows. But maybe then they watch them over a period of time and say, you know what, I, I do believe they are convinced they have new purpose, freedom, and assurance. That's worth something in itself. 
Maybe you watch this person go through an incredible crisis. Maybe something as tragic as the loss of a child or something, and you watch what they go through and how they go through it, and you say, maybe they do have something. So they begin to ask, how does a person get from here to here? I'll tell you the wrong answer. The wrong answer is to say, it's church. There's the answer. Better yet, go to church and walk an aisle and and pray a prayer at the end of the aisle, and better yet, be emotional when you do, and wow, you'll have this big deal, and that'll happen. There's the answer. I say, no, it's not the answer. I mean, if you've been there, done that, and go, no, you've watched others, you say, that isn't it. Well, what is the answer? I think the answer, and I'm going to be suggesting that you're going to find it in the person of Jesus, but that raises the huge question, and that is, well, who is Jesus? I mean, that is, that is the big question. Some of you are familiar with the name C.S. Lewis, Uh, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and uh, uh, this guy, just a genius, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man, died in the early 60s. There's a movie, by the way, that came out on our major theaters, uh, Shadowlands, about his life. You go to the university systems all around the world, and and he's heralded as one of the greatest of all scholars in in the field of literature and so forth. Well, he was in his middle age of life and called himself at that time an atheist, perhaps an agnostic. But he had a good friend, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings. You know that name. Tolkien was a follower of Jesus and began to talk to his friend. He said, you know, you really need to look at this thing. You need to investigate. And so Lewis took it on as kind of an intellectual exercise, and he went into the, went into the libraries and began to study and read as only he might do and At the end of the process, he became a follower of Jesus, and he wrote a book that became a classic among among Christian books. It's called Mere Christianity, a little thin book, worth your reading. Uh, Though written for the intellectual, it's got some stuff there that's just so practically insightful that anyone would resonate with. And one of the things he said was believing that everyone should have an opportunity to investigate Christianity. He said in doing so, there's only three intellectual conclusions someone can come to. He said, number one, you conclude that Jesus was a liar. That is, he claimed to be God, and he knew that he wasn't, which would make him a liar. Or number two, he was a lunatic. He claimed to be God, and he thought that he was, but he wasn't. Therefore, that would make him a lunatic. Anybody that claimed to be God today, they're crazy. Or number three, maybe he was who he claimed to be, the Lord of the universe, he said, there is not the fourth, which is a legend, to believe that he never existed because there's too much history. You're foolish when you do that. You're not using intellectual acumen to come to that kind of conclusion. So he said, I think you've got to come to one of these three. As I looked at that as a, as a, a young person, I said, you know what? I was introduced to this, and I, I was a math major. I'm, I'm one that wants to analyze and logical and so forth. And, and here was my thinking. If I investigate... Whether I'm right or wrong, if my investigation leads me to the conclusion that he is a liar or lunatic, then I think I am a fool for following someone like that. Why would I give up a Sunday morning? Why would I do this? Forget it. I don't want to follow a liar or lunatic. However, my thinking was if I conclude that he's who he claimed to be, the Lord of the universe, then I would be a fool of fools not to follow him. So it led to... One last question, and that was, well, how, how does a person really investigate? And, you know, my opinion is that, that there's a wrong approach to investigation, and that is 
to say, okay, I believe the answers are in the Bible. Here, start reading. Now, though I believe the answers are in the Bible, I really do. But I know what would happen to me, you, or anybody else. We'd say, okay, and Genesis, that's interesting. Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And it would, it would come to a screeching halt, and we'd say, if the answers are there, I will never, ever find them. Right? So, well, how do you investigate? Well, I, I wanted people to have a simple opportunity, and I became convinced that there are two things that people want in an investigation. What they want is they want brevity and privacy. They don't want anybody pushing them. They don't want anybody twisting their arm, trying to make them believe something, but just simply saying, here, here's some data. Take it home, read it, think about it. Then to have somebody that you could maybe ask the questions that you have that you don't understand the answers to, get it through within a few weeks. In other words, what we really need are cliff notes. Young people, spark notes you remember when I say that I saw a lot of smiles that come across it's kind of like this love affair from early you know school days I, I remember the cliff notes I remember I always thought man if I can get 90% of the data for 10% of the time that is a good deal and I thought you know really how does a person investigate well I think there are really four questions that you have to look at and find the answer to and you'll know at least then what Christianity has to offer. The first question is this. How can Christians believe the Bible is God's word without error? How in the world? Number two, and these questions are on your, the back of your outline, so, but they're very simple. Number two, how about this? How, how can Christians believe that all people, including more religious people outside of the Christian faith, deserve eternal punishment? Really? Number three, how can Christians believe of all the religious leaders that have ever lived that Jesus is the one and only way to God? And then number four is the question of, well, well maybe if I find merit in the answer to the first questions, how, what does Jesus say is required to have eternal life? What is, what is required? Each week, we'll take one of those over the next four weeks and We'll add in the second week the question I think you probably saw thrown up on the screen, and that's, well, why do bad things happen to good people? That's got all of us so questioning all the time. doesn't make sense. Why does God allow that? But those are the real questions. I think when those questions are really addressed, somebody's had a good investigation. And here's been my experience. My experience is when I've talked to people, I'll say, let me ask you this question. What's the chance in your thinking that Jesus might be who he claimed to be? And I've talked to people that everything I've heard from them would make me think they're going to answer either 0, 1, 2, 3 percent. And I've heard this over and over. I don't know. I'll give it 50-50. And I say, 50-50? Oh, let's just give it 10. Let's imagine there's only 10 percent chance. Can you imagine that there were a lottery ticket available for 10 bucks 20 bucks, I don't care, but it's a, it's a major portion of money you have left. You're down, you're broke, but you do have 10 bucks or whatever the cost of the ticket is. But I mean, it's going to take a whack out of your little portion you have left, and there's only a 10% chance of winning that lottery. Do you think you would purchase a ticket with your 10 bucks? And everybody goes, yeah, I would. I said, of course we would. There's such much potential gain for such little investment. 
oh yeah, it's an investment, but it's not, it's not that big a deal. You know, I'm convinced that people who have any percentage of thought in their mind that Jesus could be who he claimed to be, they do not want to be on their deathbed saying, I'm glad I didn't uh, investigate Christianity. They're not going to want to be laying there saying that. They're going to be saying, why didn't I at least investigate? And when people find out, well, you can investigate in a very few weeks, then I think it is a great opportunity for folks. So we're going to invite you to come to the hangar at 1045. Here's what we'll do. I'm going to address one of those four critical questions. We'll spend a few minutes on that. We'll also give you an opportunity during the week to actually take your insert. And in that insert, I have, I think it's nine questions that come out of the first five chapters of John. If you want to investigate, you read the five chapters of John and look for the answers to those questions. If you find them, fine. If you don't, I'll make sure you understand it before you leave. We'll take a few minutes, walk through at least some of these questions. You'd be amazed to see some things you never understood about the Bible. I'll spend a few minutes doing that. Next week, if you come, you'll get a booklet that has all of John, and it'll have the questions in John right there in the margins, so all this, you won't have to have another handout, but this will kind of get you started if you're interested in coming. And then what we do is we spend the rest of the time in a Q&A, again, electronically or from the floor if you want to just voice it, it doesn't matter, and we'll take whatever questions. And even as Jonathan said on the video, I can't promise I can answer all the questions, but It'll at least get you through a good investigation. I think it'll be as good as anywhere you'll ever find. So it's a great opportunity if you'd like to come. Many of you sit here and say, well, I think of friends that I think would probably really enjoy this. What we'd encourage you to do is you can go to the podcast of this very thing you've just heard. And though it normally is going to come up on Tuesday at 5 o'clock, our podcast is put up. This week it's going to be Monday at noon. So if you'd like to tell your friends, hey, check out the podcast, perimeter.org, do that. Or if you'd like to, you could just see the diagram as I introduce it and have done on video just for anybody that would like to just look at the presentation of that diagram. Maybe they don't want to hear everything else that I've said. Just say, go on ifgod.com. You go on ifgod.com right in front of the same whiteboard. I do the same thing. And you can say, listen to this. It's only 14 minutes or so. And you can figure out, you know, if you'd like to come to investigate a forum and, and then have them join you if you'd like to do that. I think it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope that you will too. With that, I want to close our time with a, a word of prayer. And I want to just pray that God would give you an opportunity, if you're looking for it, to investigate that will be the best four weeks of your life. If you're looking for life satisfaction, I'd like to pray that you're going to find it as you've never found it before. And you Christians that are here, that you're going to get better equipped and that you're going to find your own belief and convictions going into deeper and deeper convictions as you know the truth which sets you free. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege that we have to come here now and to do what we're doing today and what we're going to do over the next four weeks. And we pray that you would bless that time. I pray for our friends here that are saying, I relate to the lack of satisfaction. I, I don't know the glory that I've heard about. And I want to investigate and pursue and see if it's real. Would you grant some people that are here right now to be telling stories like Jonathan of a much better and fulfilled life, having met you, the hope of glory. Father, I pray for the perimeter family here 
particularly those that have beliefs and don't have the deep convictions that they need, they might find answers to the questions that they have. I pray, Father, for the many here that, that would be saying, God, show me. Show me somebody that could maybe use this, that I know and love. I pray, Father, these next four weeks will be a blessing to many. So we thank you now, and we ask all in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.